Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and this is episode 64 of Funding the Dream. We're into our fourth season. 20 episodes mark a season, and this is our fourth episode of season four. Last episode, episode 63, was a uh, was particularly satisfying for me. I had Seth Godin, international bestseller, as our guest. And, you know, listening to Seth as he talked, and he talked about Kickstarter, and he talked about the way he observed the world, it made me realize that in some ways there's more that I can do and I want to do more and I want to, uh, I want to get out and, and stretch myself and not be held back. And talking to Seth inspired me to do that. You know, over the last few months since we launched um, Funding the Dream, I've been excited by the fact that I've been able to meet so many people and have an impact. They've had an impact on me and I've been able to have an impact on them. One thing uh, that happened this morning is that I had a Kickstarter project. My name was not associated with it, but it was called Ace of Spies. It funded at just $21,000. And it was a project that I enjoyed so much because it was, I formed with Eric Dahlman, a creator of Gene Grafter, I formed a game company called Albino Dragon. And the first game I asked Eric as my business partner to do was to reach out to Michael Fox and Mark Rivera and create and publish their game. Uh, Michael's a first-time game designer. This was his first game. I was at, I met up with him at Spiel in Essen last October, and I felt inspired to actually help him publish his game. And so that was one of the first things I wanted to do with Albino Dragon was publish a game and help somebody realize their dream. You know, I've had two successful Kickstarter projects, Funding the Dream, the podcast for season three, and now that that's wrapped up, the DVDs and the books are going out. Um, I've had, I had a short 46 hour one, that one, I learned a lot things to do and to not do. And I've been looking at some, uh, Kickstarter projects that I would like to start again myself. For example, you'll see another game coming out from Albino Dragon. It'll be coming out here in the next little while. It is a game by Tracy Hickman, international bestseller for uh, the Dragonlance series. He has a new book series called Dragon's Bard. And Richard Borg, international award-winning board game designer for the Commanding Color series, Bluff, and a whole wide variety of other games that he's done. They've come all together under my brand of Albino Dragon, and we will be publishing and creating this game based on Tracy Hickman's books called Dragon's Bard, which we're hoping will uh, be out shortly after Gen Con. That's one of the projects that I, I've wanted to do, and Eric Dahlman and I have the pleasure of being able to work with two great people to make that possible. The other thing that I've wanted to do, there's a couple more projects. One is that Funding the Dream has had so much good information, and people ask me all the time, you know, what episode should I listen to? What episode was that where we talked about taxes or uh, law or copyright law? Or what episode was that where we learned talked about publishing and logistics? And I realized that it's really hard to capture all of that and make it easily explorable or Googleable, if that's the word. And so I've been wanting to create Funding the Dream, the book, to transcribe and take all of the uh, guests that I've had and put it into a tomb that, uh, that allows us to, not a, a, not a tomb, but a book, that allows us to distribute that book. Um, the cost that would be associated with that would be getting somebody, because I don't have the time, to go through each episode, transcribe it, and take out, and then I could rewrite all of that content. That's something I'm thinking about doing. If you're listening and you think that's a good idea, let me know. And I think that the cost, because then what we do is we release it as an ebook, so that um, we could do that at a very low price that would allow people to have access to all of the content from all of these people that have been able to do that. That's project number two after Dragon's Bard. 
And the third one is the possibility of holding a Funding the Dream on Kickstarter conference. And what I'm talking about is two days of all of us coming together and finding the best people who have learned and can teach us. And we all come together to learn about how to do things now that we've been successful on Kickstarter. You know, particularly I'm thinking about focused around the board game space. How to focus on logistics, on printing, on artwork, on distribution, on all the things that you've heard me touch with different guests. But we all come together. We share. We learn. And we, f and we figure it out. And that we hold this conference uh, sometime, I'm thinking maybe the first week of December, somewhere in the country here in the U.S., and it would be two days of us coming together and bringing that together. Again, just an idea. Uh, it's been out there, Funding the Dream, uh, the seminar where Kickstarter is the focus, and that's all we talk about. It's not a gaming conference. We might probably will play some games, but we're focused on teaching each other how to leverage this new environment that we exist in. There's so many different places to go. You come to my show. You go to different blogs. You can go to Board Game Geek. You can go to the Kickstarter page itself, but it's all kind of spread out and, and, and distributed. That's what I'm thinking about. So reach out to me. It's at... Game Whisperer for Twitter or at Richard Bliss for Twitter or visit my website, thegamewhisperer.com or just send me an email, rbliss, Richard Bliss, rbliss at thegamewhisperer.com. So now let's go back to our regularly scheduled broadcast. My guest on this episode is uh, kind of a unique uh, situation for the show. I've uh, Actually, I've never had a guest on the show that has recently had their Kickstarter project be featured on uh, major network television in the United States. But uh, my guest, Gary Gagnon, has joined me, whose project was featured on Shark Tank, and his project is quite unique. It is called Remix Sneakers. Gary, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Thank you, Richard. Glad to be here. Well, Gary, you have had a lot of fun. Your project, as we record this, has got just under a week to go, about six days, and you just crossed over your funding goal. First of all, congratulations on that. Thank you, thank you. It was uh, very glad to see it, and it was a lot of hard work. Yeah, I bet. Uh, how how long did your project run? Well, I actually uh, uh, went live with it just before my Shark Tank episode aired on May 18th. So technically, if you uh, looked, looked below and see when I first launched it, I gave it about two or three weeks for Google to be able to pick up, you know, the uh, SEO operation so it could actually come up in the search methods if you spelled remix correctly. Uh, but I, I didn't do any advertising or pushing it out to social media until my Shark Tank episode, which was May 18th. So that's really my, my mark. And so uh, how long was the, uh, when, you, when you launched, how many days did you pick for, this, uh, for your Kickstarter project to run? Uh, well, I, I did do the full 60 days, knowing that there was a lot of aftermath and, and carryover of press and publicity with uh, national television airing, you know, 6 million followers. Um, I also knew I had a spot coming up where I was featured on HLN, you know, Headline News, with Jane Velez Mitchell. So I wanted to give it as much time for uh, me to work the press and the social media afterwards, which if you Google me, and that's R-E-M-Y-X-X, remixsneakers.com. If you Google me, you will see there's many, many articles, whether it's from sustainability uh, to fashion to sneakers, uh, you know, to entertainment and entrepreneurship. Um, there's a lot of stuff that was out there. So, so knowing that uh, I'd catch all of that, 
you know, I wanted to give the full 60 days, which really after the Shark Tank was probably closer to 45 days of live Kickstarter activity. Sure, and, and it sounds like that has been critical for your success because going leading up to this, um, how, how long has Remix Sneakers been around? Well, development for Remix Sneakers started in 2009, and when I say development, it was my idea in my garage that I saw my kids' sneakers sitting next to the trash and, and thinking, you know, to throw these away, to send them to a, a landfill, you know, there's got to be a better way. So in 2009, I started saying, you know, let me see if I can make a rece- recyclable sneaker. Uh, fast forward all the way to right up until Shark Tank, which I taped in September of 2011. So that was a long time ago that I actually taped it. Even then, I was in the development stages. Uh, but with Shark Tank coming up, I, I got my... my Act together and in gear to be able to air on the TV show. So uh, live sales, uh, it's all unfolding seriously right now. So the Shark Tank was great when it aired May 18th. Rewinding that, I was still early, you know, I called it a soft launch, you know, using Shark Tank for that matter, that I still had a lot of work to do. But uh, technically, sneaker ready to go, uh, I, would, I would call it the end of, tw- you know, I would call right at 2011 is, uh, you know, when I did Shark Tank in September that I was able to start selling and pushing and approach some uh, retailers. Okay. And so from a brand standpoint, you, you're you uh, fairly not, we could be safe to say, not very well known in the overall. Oh, yeah. Right? Very safe to say. Very, very safe to say. Thank goodness for Google these days. But, yes, not well known. And uh, even going back to, like, where I said I'd approach retailers, uh, at the stage of, uh, you know, mid-summer 2011, uh, you know, the footwear and apparel industry worked six months out. I actually missed that. So really it was February 2012, knowing that Shark Tank was coming up, that's when I, I would begin to try and become known. And the retailers and everybody, whether it was sneaker lovers or eco-friendly lovers, uh, everybody's always said, wow, that's a great idea, recyclable sneakers. You know, it hasn't been done that way. I'm different than people who use recycled material, and I'm using recyclable where I will not go to the landfill. I'm a closed-loop, sustainable, 100% landfill-free sneaker where people who are using old tires, you know, that's great that they save the tire, but at the end of the day when their sneaker is dead, you know, there is no second life. It goes to a landfill. With Remix, there's a second life. So, you know, back to the retailer, I'm just now getting out to the retail mode. And with Kickstarter, you know, I raised my 40 grand. It'll be the first time that I actually have inventory instead of taking an order that I know I can't deliver. Now I'll be able to deliver. So, okay. And so as a, from a Kickstarter perspective, you've got the Shark Tank thing comes up. You know that uh, Kickstarter is coming. So you, you create your Kickstarter campaign. You start this media blitz. Um, so the lessons learned here are that you actually had a very – this is what I was going to point out. You have a very small uh, initial fan base going in, and you built that fan base through aggressive uh, and relentless PR. Really? Right? Yeah. Yeah, that sums it up. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, national TV spot is good. But what, uh, what I had prior to that was, hey, everybody loved my sneaker. It was great. I couldn't sell it yet. You know, the funding to get there. Um, But even the retailers of an unknown brand wanted to see some sales. So to prove product viability with real consumer interest, Kickstarter was the perfect platform. So to to have the national 
you know, exposure, uh, which was great. It was, you know, it's, it, there's not everybody sitting at their TV Googling. Um, after that, the press that it was able to get out there, you know, I've gone from 116 likes on Facebook, and this isn't an ultimate measure, and it's not that great of a number, to, um, uh, I don't know, I'm up to 1,200-something now. And that did not happen just from Shark Tank. You know, between Shark Tank, the press, Kickstarter, uh, you know, TV, the, the aggressive, uh, you know, uh, media blitz, social media blitz, has allowed me to actually build a fan base. And, and uh, I guess how many? I have 460 people purchasing a pair of sneakers. You know, it's a great platform. It's a, it's a good day to be remixed today. It is. And, and, and honestly, I don't think that these are people who are simply finding a way to pre-order a pair of sneakers, right? These are people who have bought into your vision, bought into your dream, and have wanted to see you succeed. And so i got to believe that people have spent more money than just simply what it would have cost to buy the sneakers. There's a few, but I like that this, this is where the product viability and, you know, real consumer interest comes down to. Um, out of 450, I, I just did the tally the other day. I am going to ship actually, you know, more pairs than my backers. My backer, you know, because you can get a sneaker package for, you know, two pair, 150 bucks or five pair, 350. You know, I call it the founder's pack. I'm offering five colors, five designs. Um, I did the tally. It's going to be 462 sneakers, and that doesn't include some, some of the latecomers, where everybody out of my 450 backers, a lot of them are at the $65 one-pair sneakers or the $75 special color package, um, and then maybe two-pair. But beyond that, I do not have any huge backers that threw in 1000 bucks or 500 bucks. They're They're... I'd say a handful of, you know, if, if I was to say 40, that would be a high number between, you know, call it the donation. Uh, minor legit rewards. I always wanted to use Kickstarter, just like they, they describe. You know, offer your product at a good price, a fair price. Let, let the, uh, you know, the buyers or the backers understand they're, they're getting this at a first market. Uh, maybe a discount, maybe a little bit reduced price, but really... Um, at sixty-five, seventy-five bucks, that's going to be the retail price. I think you know when the, it depends on the retailer, um, and it it includes shipping, and uh, that's that's where a lot of people did jump in. You know, I got some people that just bought the T-shirt for twenty bucks because they love the mission, or the dollar is the real. Hey, I care about recycling. Um, it's great to see that. So I think I hit the range pretty good with a lot of it. A lot more being. I want a pair of those cool sneakers. <laughs> so. Sure. And, and how hard, um, after 60 days of basically out there hitting the pavement, on the phones, getting the press, you re you've raised 41000 You still have a week, so you, you, you've got a little bit more to go. What kind of, for somebody who's thinking of doing something similar on Kickstarter, what kind of advice can you give them about how much effort and, and what, that, what that ride is like of going through that process? Well, I, I wish I could tell you there was a formula. I can give you my experience, which I'll do that in a second, but I, I think a lot of luck is involved. But if you can build a social media fan base, you know, if you study Kickstarter a little bit, the people who release a record album, they already have 5,000 people. You know, they might be a small local band. They do very well. You know, high tech does very well. You know, you, you, you launch something there. So the advice I would say is, just like I was saying, you know, go with a fair product, you know, get the social media out there before you launch and then have a plan as you're launching. And that plan, which I actually did not attack very well, was 
as it starts getting some legs, you know, hey, I got a $65 pair of sneakers, but at the same time, I also offered two pair of sneakers for, um, you know, if you did 65, it should have been like 130 or 135, you know, don't, don't quote me on that. But, you know, at 125, you can get the two instead. I put all those packages out there to begin with in the early stages. So the new guys, you know, put out the fair stuff, but save some rewards that will be able to keep the traffic going, keep the, the people who like one pair, or, you know, it might be for a technology, a piece of equipment, and, hey, now we're going to throw in, you know, some more RAM. You know, if it's 4 megabyte, hey, now we're throwing in the 8 megabyte where it should be double the price, but we're giving you a discount. So save some of those rewards because to engage the people that are backing you from the start, it's, it's really cool. It's a nice community, and, you know, word travels through social media, and, you know, you never know who one of those backers has a blog or a post uh, that gets picked up. That's right. And that's right. And uh, I found you on LinkedIn. I have my group there, Funding the Dream, and you posted it out there and uh, kind of talked about your project. And so, you know, it's in all the different areas. Well, I certainly it's, – it's great to see that you've succeeded. Um, and so what's next? As we, as we wrap up here, you've got the, the money. Tell us about – you. You asked for thirty nine thousand and some odd dollars there, and uh, we kind of were talking earlier. That was pretty dang close to exactly what you needed, right? Yeah, that that thirty nine thousand six hundred ninety seven dollars adds up to exactly what um, I needed to get. You know, Remix started as a sneaker company to be able to sell to some of the independent shoe shops. You know, for the big guys who who would give me a test. I can't. I couldn't even ship them until you know it cost me twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars for tooling to start my molds. So that forty grand is is ready to go. It'll bring me. It gets me my tooling. It gets me some inventory. That deliveries will be October. The backers will get their sneakers in October. And at the same time, I'll be you know call it pre-selling to some independent shoe shops. I'll be calling on the big box stores now because I have a following, because I have a story, because I've proven product viability. So all of those things are unfolding. June 25th will be a great day when my project ends. You know, the funds go through Amazon payment, um, and I'll be able to pull the trigger to my factory and production and tooling. Um, and, and then really just, you know, moving to the next phase you know, I got a lot of interested people. Uh, you know, Shark Tank brought me, you know, whether it's distributors or somebody who's an uh, expert in the footwear industry that has a rep group. Um, I have some really, you know, positive going forward moments that uh, now that I have that 40 grand out of the way, um, I'll be, uh, you'll, you'll see Remix, you know, in some stores. It won't be everywhere at first, but uh, you might be one of the lucky ones that if you don't get it by June 25th, you're like, oh my God, there's that guy from Kickstarter. Or, hey, that's the recyclable sneaker guy. Exactly. Well, Gary, and it's Gary Gagnon, and it's Remix. Let's spell it one more time. It's R-E-M-Y-X-X, RemixSneakers.com. And uh, we certainly appreciate you being on the show, and, and the best of luck here in these last few days of your Kickstarter campaign. Awesome. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate you doing good things for all those uh, great Kickstarter community guys out there. We appreciate it. We're trying to do our best. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you've heard something that has inspired you. If you have, we look forward to seeing your project and your passion out on Kickstarter so that we can help back it and uh, see you fund your dreams. So thank you for listening. Take care.